Okay. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, <laughs> wherever you might be. Um, okay, so we are on chapter 17. In this chapter, we are going to be wrapping up a whole kind of section of the Tanya that we've been doing until now. So that's kind of exciting. It's always nice to like wrap up a little, you know, thought and and concept and section, and then we'll move on next week to something obviously always striving to be a Bani along the same lines, but a different perspective. Okay, so if you remember in chapter, all the way in the, like in chapter one, we quoted a verse um, that is a fundamental um, verse of the Tanya that the Tanya keeps on coming back to. And in many chapters, we come back to this verse and we explain it or analyze it in a different way, in a different context, or focusing on different words. Um, so the verse is, Kikarov elacha hadavar me'od beficha uvelvavcha la'asoso. So what does that mean? Um, basically, it's close to you, to um, this thing, right? This thing, what are we talking about? This thing to serve God is, is close in our, um, in our mouth, um, in our heart and to do it. Okay. So we're, we're, this is the concept that we're, we keep on coming back to and working on that, that serving God is actually a dual uh, is close to us. We can do it with our heart. We can do it with our mouth and we can do it with our actions. Okay. So, um, we need to, in, in this chapter, we want to understand a little bit more and better what this verse means. Okay. So here, so what are we saying here? In this ver, in this chapter, we're going to focus on the word la asoso, that you may do it. Like it is, it's in your grasp, in your reach to do this, to serve God, okay? In your in your mind, in your heart, in your mouth, like it is doable. It, 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 not only doable, it's easy, right? You can do this, right? Um, and we, it's a little hard to understand because we know that, I mean, look at our own lives. Like it doesn't always feel easy to do this, right? And also if we're saying, it's one thing to say we can do it physically or with our mouth, but in our heart, we know who's who, which type of person can be totally congruent with God in their heart. A tzaddik, right? So really, this is not that accessible. Like Bilvavcha is not that accessible to us, right? Like, so what does it mean to do it? And in this, in this chapter, we're going to understand more the word la asoso to do it. And what does it mean? So the Altarba comes to say that la asoso is a qualifying statement. Okay. So what does that mean? That this state, this last word comes and qualifies the rest of the verse. What do we mean? That yes, it's close. It's, and it's attainable to you to fulfill the Torah in your mouth. But um, what does it actually mean that it's doable? What does it mean here? What are we saying that it's that we can actually do it? We can do it in our mouth. We can do it in our actions. What about our heart? 
what are we saying here that it's accessible, our heart, our emotions are easily accessible to us? Because we just literally spent the last 16 chapters telling us that we don't necessarily, we can't necessarily change our emotions all the time and be completely congruent with God and with our actions, right? We, that's what we've basically been saying for the last 10 chapters. And here we come to say, yeah, don't worry, it's doable. Okay. So um, we need to understand. One second, I'm just letting some more people in. Okay. Um, so what does it mean here? What we're saying is that we can change our emotions enough to get us to, to want to serve Hashem. You're with me? What does it mean to do it? Not that it's necessarily easy, but it's doable. How do we know? Because last week, this is what we talked about last week, right? Last week, we spent the whole class talking about getting our meditating on God to get our emotions and like sparked enough to want to serve Hashem, right? What did we call those emotions? Do you remember from last week? What did we call them? We call them tfunos, right? Um, what are tfunos? They're like an appreciation. They're pseudo emotions, right? And it's actually interesting because tfuna comes from the word bina, right? Bina is understanding, so the tfuna, this emotion is actually very intellectually based. It's an intellectually based emotion. We are thinking, using our brains and our minds to create an appreciation that will allow us to serve Hashem in a way that we want to, that it makes us happy instead of white knuckling it and, and having to serve Hashem just because he says so and in a way that makes us feel like, remember that rubber band that we're about to snap, okay? We don't want to serve Hashem in a way that we feel like we're eventually either going to drop it. Remember, we spoke last week about the rubber band. Either it's going to pull, 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 and we're going to let go and we're going to fall, or, or we're going to be in this constant state of tension, which really, the constant state of tension isn't really um, a way to live long term. Right, we don't want to live in a in in a stuffing down our emotions and overriding our emotions with self control because we know we have self control, right? But we don't want to constantly have to override our emotions to serve God. We want to kind of feel. We want to feel it sometimes. We want to feel that we want to serve God. So when we're saying here in this pasuk la asoso, um, then what are we saying here? We're saying, okay. What's doable about this, okay? The doable part of this is that we have now tools to get our emotions on board with us to what extent? To feel a huge passion and to feel it physically in our body? No, right? That's a tzaddik. Remember we spoke about last week how when if you're feeling something very passionately and, and it's like in you, you're gonna feel it physically, right? We're not necessarily going to get to that level, but we can get to a level where we have these tfunos, these intellectually based pseudo emotions that allow us to serve God because we want to. We understand and we appreciate the, the beauty and the benefit of serving God. 
right? So we, so that's the emotion here that this Pasuk is talking about. La asoso, to do it enough, right? You know how um, we, we're doing it enough to get us to a place where we can want to serve Hashem. Actually, commercial break for a second. We had a question last week. I didn't forget. What was our question? Who remembers our question? Um, our question was, we learned last week that if you have the proper intentions, right, and you create these tfunos, and you create these pseudo emotions, right, and what are these emotions that you want to serve Hashem with love, you want to serve him, and then you do a mitzvah, right, and Hashem combines the two, right, remember we learned that last week, Hashem combines the two, now the question was, in order for these two things to be combined, does it have to be immediately one after the other? Or if let's say you meditated or you thought about the greatness of Hashem in the morning and a couple hours later you did a mitzvah, does Hashem combine the mitzvahs? Okay, it was actually a hard question to research, but from what I found out and from my understanding, and if anyone comes across this and finds out something different, please share with the class. Or if you find something in addition, please share with the class. But um, what I managed to find out was the point of these tfunos is that you want to serve Hashem with love, right? You want to serve him with all your heart and all your soul. Now, you don't necessarily get to do that, but you want to. So if you are in the space and you want to be serving Hashem and you have an appreciation for serving Hashem. So when you do this mitzvah, you are not doing it out of resentment. You're not doing it out of fear. You're not doing it out of, because I have to, then that's the tuna and your, and your, your mitzvah and your intention is going to be combined by Hashem. Like you are doing it with passion. So it doesn't really matter when you actually have those thoughts. Do you get what I'm saying? It's a, it's, it's more of like a mode of operating. It's more of an attitude, right? So if your attitude, when you're doing the mitzvah, or if your attitude in general is I'm doing this because I appreciate the power and I appreciate the connection that I'm going to have with Hashem because of this mitzvah, then you're covered and Hashem will do the rest. Okay. Does that answer the question? I don't know if the person who answered the question is here, but I hope it answers the question. Okay, so it doesn't necessarily have to be meditate, mitzvah, combination, right? It needs to be, it's more of like how you're living your life, what you're thinking about, how you're operating on this mitzvah, how you're going about the mitzvah. Yeah? Okay, any questions so far from where, where, where we're up to? Okay, so we now, kikar this guy's serving Hashem in our mind, our heart, everywhere. It's, it's, it's easy, right? Right. Okay. Wait a second. What does La Asoso mean? It actually means enough, right? It's doable. We're getting our emotions to a level where it, it, we get to a place where we are appreciative of our relationship with Hashem and that, which, which, what, which is the main part, which will lead to action right? We want to get our emotions in a place where it leads to action. That is what la so-so means is a qualifying term. Okay. Now I, I, I'm going to reiterate many, many, many times, almost every chapter, the emotions 
we're working on our emotions now because why are we working on our emotions now? Because we already know how to have self-control. Okay. We already know how to white knuckle it. We already know how to stuff our emotions and just do it anyway. Right? So now the rest of the Tanya is going to help us get to a place where we can breathe a little easier. Our emotions are a little bit more godly. It, it helps us act in a godly way because we're motivated to do so, but it, does not ever take away the fact that what is our goal in life, what's our purpose, will always be action. Okay? So you want to work on your emotions. You want to definitely focus on them at times. But the actual goal of our being in this world is action. So don't ever forget that really bottom line is you want to be acting godly. So even if our emotions aren't there, and even if we're, we're a work in progress, which we always will be, bottom line is, is our action is really what affects the most change. Okay. So we, even when we're spending a lot of times um, transforming our emotions to, the, to whatever extent we are able to, we're going to be constantly reminding ourselves that action is really where it's at. Action is really where it's at. So work on your emotions, work on your emotions. Yes, yes, yes. But action is bottom line, what Hashem wants for us. And later in the Tanya, we're really going to get into why that is and what's the purpose of this world, but we'll, we'll get there. Okay. Okay. So, um, now, so here we are, we don't want to only serve Hashem out of sheer willpower right? Because we, we know how to do that, right? We've learned and we know that in connection to sheer willpower, we can employ that in an instant, right? We can, we are perfectly capable of behavioral control, right? But we don't want to live our life like that completely. We want to work on our emotions in a way that will get us in a happier place. We want to be happy. We want to serve Hashem with joy, right? That's a really important piece to this, okay? So, um, comes along chapter 17 and he says, and Tanya says, anyone, it's a very like, it's a good, it's a good phrase. Anyone who has a brain in their head can do this method. What's the method? What's the method? The method that we're talking about here is meditation. Okay. So anyone who has a brain in their head can do this. Okay. So the Tanya, the Altareb is saying, guys, I know meditation might seem overwhelming. I know we sometimes feel like we can't control our thoughts, but we can. If you've got a brain in your head, you can do this. Okay. So mean, basically, is anybody excluded from this? No, because we all fall into the category of having a brain in our head. So we can all do this. Okay. Now, how? How are we, how are we going to do this? And remember chapter 17 is really a culmination and putting everything together of what we learned so far. So let's go back and all, and take all the little pieces that have led us to this moment of knowing that meditation is actually accessible to us. Okay. How did we get here? Back, back it all the way up to chapter three. Okay. What did we learn in chapter three? Chapter first, let's back it even further. Chapter one, what did we learn? We have two souls, okay? Whoa, big deal. Two souls, 
we have conflicting things going on inside of us. That was one and two. We learned about the two different souls. Chapter three, we learned about the soul's composition, the inner workings of the soul. What did we learn? How many faculties, how many powers does its soul have? 10, right? These 10, these 10 powers are divided into how many categories? Two, right? Two categories. Now, what are the two categories? We have seven emotional powers and three intellectual powers. What's the relationship between these two categories? What's the relationship between these two categories? Parent, child, right? It's a parent-child relationship. Who's the parent? Who's the child? The intellectual powers are the parents, I mean, they have to come first. When we use our intellect in the proper way, then they give birth to emotions. This can work both positively and negatively. This can work godly and not godly, right? It's just the, our human makeup, our human composition. Our emotions are generated from our intellect, okay? And our thoughts, okay? Now, breaking down the intellectual powers, we have how many intellectual powers? Three, right? Chachma, Bina, Das, okay? Now we have a parent, we have a mother and a father for Chachma and Bina, right? Chachma is the father, Bina is the mother. Why is Chachma the father? Because a Chachma is like the seminal thought that is hyper-condensed, okay? Once you expound on a thought, it's not Chachma anymore. Chachma is not tangible, okay? It's not a tangible thought. It is a flash of inspiration. It's an idea. So too, the father's role in creating a child is, is, comes from the brain, okay? And it's like a seminal thought. Like the father is the one that the, like it creates the child at that flash, right? Of, of creation, the semen, the flash of creation. But where does the child grow and develop? In the mother's womb, okay? So yes, you must have Chachma before you have Bina, right? You must have Chachma in order to create a thought. You must have the semen in order to create a child. But where does the child develop and grow? In the mother's womb. That's why Bina is considered the mother. Bina is a very feminine thing. Um, uh, Bina is always, it always has been a feminine thing. Okay, so just like a child grows in the mother's womb and develops and expounds and and, and it has dimension, right? So to a thought, when you think about a thought, you understand a thought, you, you delve into it, you talk about it, that's Bina, that's the understanding of the thought. That's a very feminine thing, right? Um, so, and also furthermore, what is the actual Hebrew word for meditation? Hispononus. Hispononus is the Hebrew word for meditation. What's the root word of that? Bina, okay? So meditation is literally taking the flash of inspiration, the hyper-condensed thought and contemplating on it, okay? Now we talked about this in chapter three. Is this sounding familiar? Okay, none of this, unless this is your first class, none of this should sound new, okay? This is like, we, we, we know this, we've been talking about it. If it's your first class, 
then um, hopefully you can understand it on a smaller scale here. And then you go back and, and understand it better as you go back. Now, what's interesting is, is that it, when we talked about Chachma Bina Das in chapter three, we didn't really get into the Das. What's the Das, right? If Chachma is the, if the father and Bina is the mother, what's Das? Okay, and that's what we're going to, we're going to actually, in chapter 17, we're going to expound a little bit on chapter three. Okay, so we now we want to understand what's the Das, okay? The Das is not a third partner, okay? The Das is the relationship between the two partners, okay? The relationship is described as focus. Okay, I actually really, if you think about this, it's so powerful. I really love this. In order for Chachma and Bina to have a baby, right, to produce a child, there needs to be da'as, there needs to be focus, right? You need to have a profound connection between Chachma and Bina that a relationship will lead to an offspring, Okay, so same in the physical, right? You have a mother and a father coming together. The relation, you have to focus on that relationship and, and connect, right? That's what produces the child. So the same thing, the Chachma and the Bina, the, the, the condensed thought, the understanding together, comes together, i.e. focused, focused connection, that will will give birth to emotions. Are you with me? Okay. So when we, so what is that actually, when we meditate, which doesn't mean meditate once. It means when we keep on coming back to the same thought and we give it attention and we focus on that, that is what's going to give us the ability to create the emotion. Okay, so Chachma and Bina by itself isn't going to do anything, right? In order to go to the next level, you need to have the focus. Now, it's actually, let's put it in um, like our day-to-day -day life, right? Have you ever like perseverated on a thought, right? What does that mean? You like keep on coming back to a thought um, and you can't, it's not, you can't, but it's hard to let go of this thought, right? We know we can, right? But it's hard to let go of this thought. This can happen, the positive or the negative that we're, we're talking about this in connection to godly thoughts, right? We want to perseverate on a godly thought. We want to keep on coming back to godly thoughts, but we know what it's like when we perseverate on a negative thought, right? A fear, a worry, a, you know, a doom and gloom, right? Like we've all done that, right? And we we can't, we like it's, we're not letting go of this thought. We keep on coming back to it and we're focusing on it and we're meditating on it, right? What is those, that thought, those thoughts now give birth to emotions. What are those emotions gonna be? Fear, sadness, distress, anxiety, overwhelm, right? So we know this works for the negative. We've all been there. I mean, I'm assuming we've all been there. I've been there. I've been there many, many times, right? We just, we, we, we get stuck on a negative thought and that creates how we feel, right? So now take that and apply it to God. What happened, what would happen if we would get stuck on a godly thought? 
that would be the focus that would create the emotions that would then lead to action. What's our main goal, right? We Our main goal is always action. But when we perseverate on a on a thought that's godly that means we're you we're, it's das right we're we're uniting chachma and bina we're focusing and giving this thought of attention and we're then creating the emotion okay any questions so far if you don't focus and you don't give these thoughts attention, you will not create an emotion, okay? So I'm actually gonna bring a, a really random example, but it's really apropos to me because we it, we were just talking about it this week. On Sunday, um, it was raining and it was like yucky weather, but I'm like, you know what? Like we still need to get out of the house. Like, I don't want the rain to stop us. We need to do something. So. We went to an hour away to a certain spot where there's a lot of different kinds of birds. So we went bird, like we wanted to like bird watch, birding, right? And one of our community friends went with us and she said that her husband told her, so, and, the, and that we were talking with the kids. We're like, you know what? We might see birds, we might not, right? Like we don't, you don't know for sure. We hope to see birds, but we might not. And my friend said, you know, my husband always said that you're definitely not gonna see birds if you stay home right? You don't have a chance of seeing birds if you stay in your house. So for some reason, like it just came into my head in connection to this. You're not going to create an emotion if you don't think about this, these thoughts. You're not going to create godly emotions if you never think about God, right? Like it's not going to happen. If you think about God and you focus and you do all the right things, maybe you'll see it. Maybe you'll create emotion. Maybe you won't, but at least you have a chance. Right, because we said in last chapter, we're not tzaddikim. We're not going to necessarily create these big, passionate, huge emotions. We might not create emotions at all, but at least we have a, a shot at it, right? At least we have a shot at it if we actually take the thoughts and think about them. We have a shot at creating these emotions. If we if we don't, if we if God never comes, passes our brain, we never think about Him you are not going to create emotion. That's a hundred percent fact. Okay. So the bottom line, we need to focus. What is focus? We need to meditate. We need to meditate. We need to meditate on God. That, and that's what we learned last week. And this is what we're culminating this week is that in order to give birth to emotions, they need to be generated from our intellect. Okay, so that was chapter three. But then what did we learn in chapter four? Even more so, chapter four was a huge piece to this puzzle. Why? Because in chapter four, we learned about the garments of the soul, right? Thought, speech, and action, how the soul expresses itself. And we learned that what was the main thing that we learned in chapter four that was extremely crucial to this journey is that thought is a behavior, right? It's very easy to think, I can't control my thoughts, right? What are my thoughts? I can't control them. But thought is a behavior. How do we know it's a behavior? Number one is it has an end and a beginning, right? You start a thought, you finish a thought. It doesn't go on forever. And we know that we can control what we think about. And we gave a lot of different examples of 
of how um, of how that works. And my favorite example is the knock on the door, right? You can control what you think of, right? If a thought pops into your head, you won't necessarily be, be able to control that, but you will be able to control if you perseverate on it and if you think about it. That is completely in our control. And that is what we, that was the crucial piece of information that we learned in chapter four, that thoughts are definitely an action. We have control over what we think about. Don't be fooled that you don't have control of it. We have so much power over ourselves, right? We talk about all the time is that let go of the things you can't control. That's usually everything around you, you don't really have control over, but you yourself, your actions, your speech, and even your thought, you have control over that. It is so um, inspiring. It's so like powerful. It also is hard, right? It's actually good and hard, right? Why is it good? Because it gives us so much power. And we know that we can really, really, really decide how we want to live this life. It's hard because we have we actually have control. And sometimes we just be like, I can't control it. I can't, it's not my fault. How many times do you wanna say it's not my fault, right? So it's hard to realize that yes, it is on you, but it's also so powerful, right? We have, when the more we understand how we control everything about our body, the more, and our thoughts, the more empowering that is, so empowering. Doesn't mean it's hard, right? Doesn't mean it's not hard. Actually empowering should equal hard, right? Anything in this world that's worth doing is hard. That's not what we're saying here. We're not saying it's not hard, but how empowering because we do get to control what we focus on, okay? And when we do that, when we take our intellect and we focus on it, it creates emotions. Okay, now, um, the other interesting thing I wanted to focus on a little bit is about you can know, so basically, so actually, sorry, backtracking for a, one more point about this is you can know information that's not healthy, but not think about it, right? Um, you can know something that is scary or hard or painful, right? You can know it, but it doesn't mean you have to think about it constantly. Okay, those are two different things. Now, another interesting point that I wanna delve into about thought because this is really, when I say Tanya's practical, this is why I, I say so, or everybody says so, but this is how I take it to be practical because when we can understand our thoughts, and our actions and the way and what we have control over and what we don't like it's so powerful in our day-to-day -day life so a thought can be devoid of intellect okay think about that for a minute just because you think a lot doesn't mean it has any intelligence to it okay thought does not equal wisdom or intellect okay so there are people that are highly intelligent that are uncomplicated, okay? What do I mean by that? They're not overthinkers, right? 
And there are complicated people, complex people that aren't intellectual at all, which means that they are overthinkers, right? And, and I wanna explain this, what do I mean by this? You can have a very, very, very wise, intelligent person that doesn't overthink things that are not in proportion to, to what they're thinking about. So for example, you can have someone who overthinks where they should go on vacation, right? Um, yeah, it takes some thought, but then there's there are people who like can't make a decision and overthink and overthink and overthink and overthink. There's no intellect involved in that overthinking. It is not proportionate to the thought itself, okay? But for example, you wouldn't, you wouldn't categorize someone who's in a lab trying to, trying to um, come up with the cure for cancer as an overthinker, right? Because that's not overthinking. That's thinking the appropriate amount for what they're thinking about, right? An overthinker means is that you're thinking an inappropriate amount about something that doesn't need to be thought of about that much, what you're going to have for dinner, right? You don't need to overthink what you're going to have for dinner. Um, so what I mean by that is that thinking doesn't equal intellect. Okay. So people who have a lot of brain power, um, but don't necessarily do anything with it. And there are people who, um, use their brain power in a proportionate appropriate manner. Okay. So it's a little bit of a digression from chapter 17, but I think it's a very powerful concept because sometimes I find myself overthinking something that completely is a waste of time. And I'm using my thought, my thoughts being employed. I'm head running, right? You know, have you ever heard of the term head running? I'm head running. There's thoughts running in my head, but they're not intellectual thoughts. Okay. They're not really accomplishing very much. So what we want to say here is that when we use our thoughts, when we're employing our, our amazing capability and power of thought, what are you using it on? Let's try to use our thoughts in an intellectual manner, right? So let's try to use, if we're using our thoughts, let's think about something that deserves the brain space, that deserves the thought, right? Not something that's not deserving and not going to be positive and it will even be detrimental. Okay, so these are the kinds of things that we constantly can think about and integrate into our lives when a thought comes into your head and you find yourself, you know, getting stuck or overthinking something, you have the power to be like, wait a second. Am I, what am I doing with my brain right now? Am I doing something productive? Am I thinking about something intellectual? Or am I just overthinking and head running, which gets, gets me nowhere. So when we know how to differentiate between a thought and intellect, it gives us even more power because then we can start to identify when are we overthinking something? When are we just being like spinning our wheels? And when are we thinking and being productive with our thoughts? Yeah? Okay. I, don't, I only see three of your faces. So thank you for whoever your camera's on because I get to talk to somebody. <laughs> um, okay, so um, we have the capacity for self-talk. 
What's self-talk? Self-talk is thoughts. When we self-talk to ourselves, we're thinking. So we have the capacity to self-talk, right? We can self-talk ourselves into a situation and we can self-talk ourselves out of a situation, right? Like those are our thoughts. So we now know from chapter four that I have free will to exercise thought, right? We know this from chapter four and it's very important and related to this chapter that we act. If we came into this chapter 17 and the, and the altar says meditate, but we didn't have the background of chapters three and four. What would we be like? What are you talking about? We can't control what we think. What are you even saying? But because we have this background information, because we know that we control our thoughts, we have free will about what we think, we now know that meditation is actually a feasible concept. It actually is applicable to us, okay? So it goes like this. I'm gonna say it slow because if there was anything that you should write down, it would be this, okay? Um, how are we going to create emotion? How do you create emotion? Question. Answer, emotions come from intellect, okay? How do you create intellect? Through thought. You with me? What thought? A thought is a behavior, right? A thought is a behavior. You choose your thought. So you can choose what you think about, right? So you want to get emotionally congruent, right? You want to get emotionally congruent with your actions? We now know how to do that, okay? Before, you know, until last chapter, the only, the only tool we had was sheer impulse control. The only tool we had was stuffing our emotions, right? Like, even if you don't want to do it, do it anyway, right? Um, and we said that controlling our hearts only for tzaddikim. Now we know that we can override our, like we can, we can actually override our heart. Like we can actually create emotions in our heart. Okay. How do we do it? Indirectly. It's an indirect thing, right? It, remember, we're still not tzaddikim. So it's not easy peasy, right? It's an indirect way we're getting to our emotions, okay? So how do we do it indirectly? We influence our heart by creating emotions. How? By choosing what you're going to meditate on. It comes down to this. You choose what you think about. When you choose what you think about, um, you can create emotions and affect your heart that way, okay? Can we directly change our heart? No, that's a tzaddik's thing. We can indirectly change our heart, okay? Can you get yourself to like? So remember that bet that we made with the cilantro, right? And we had three options. It was one, you know, under a lie detector test, instantly change your feelings about cilantro, right? Is that accessible? Not really. Two was 
doesn't matter if you like it or not, just eat it a little bit every day. Okay, that's doable, not fun, but doable, right? That's the journey we were on until now, right? With Marshal Talay, with impulse control. And then the third one was what to change how to eat a little bit. Of, you could basically to change how you feel about it, whether however you go about it, that's fine. But to change how you feel about it slowly over time. So what is Atanya telling us? That we can actually change how we feel about something slowly over time. How? Through meditation. Oh my gosh, look at all these cats. I love it. So cute. Slowly over time, okay? At this point, we don't have specifics on what to think about. Okay. Remember, we're talking a lot about meditation, but then you're, I'm sure the question is like, what are we meditating on? Okay. Right now it's very general. It's the greatness of God. We don't have specifics on what to meditate on. We get specifics in chapters 41 through 50, 41 through 50 are going to give us specific meditations to create specific emotions, mainly awe and love of God. There will be specific things to think about to create the different levels of love and the different levels of fear, but we're not there yet, okay? And the ton and the altar was smart about how he goes about that. We're not ready for that yet, okay? We're not ready for specific emotions, for specific, specific thoughts, for specific emotions. Right now, we understand the concept of meditation. We understand that through our thoughts, we can change and transform our emotions to a certain degree. To what degree? La asoso, to do it. Right? Remember, we're now we're 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 wrapping up here. We can change our emotions to a certain degree enough to get the job done. Right? Okay. Now, um, what next week? Okay. One second. Um, if I were to think to sum up this chapter 17 in a few words, this is what I would say. Okay. We can affect our emotions indirectly over time. Okay. So we're not coming at our emotions head on. We're affecting them indirectly and over time. This meditation process is going to take time. Now, the next section we're going into, chapters 18, 18 through 25, I think it is, is going to address a problem that we have. I'm going to give you a little sneak peek. It's going to address a problem that we have. Of what if we need to something right now, right? What if we need to create these emotions right now? We don't have the time. Okay. And the, that's, those chapters are going to address how to deal with that scenario. But meditation is a long-term thing. That's why we come back to it in chapters 41 through 50. You never stop doing it. You can do other things like 18 through 25. You can employ other things in an instant, but it doesn't take away the fact that meditation still needs to be happening in the background. And meditation is not a quick fix. Okay. So it's something that takes time. So chapter 17, wrapping it up, we can affect our emotions indirectly over time. How? If I were to ask you, how are you going to create emotions? What is the one sentence you're going to say? Type it or unmute yourself. What is the one thing you're going to, what is the one thing we have to know in order to meditate and create emotions? What do we need to know? 
Come on, guys. You got this. Okay, that it's possible, right? Exactly. How? How is it possible? How do we know that it's possible? Yes, because we can control what we think about. And we know from chapter three that intellect, intellect creates our emotions. So we know that, right? And we know that we can control what we think about. So A plus B equals C. If we can control our thoughts and if we choose to focus on godly thoughts, we have a chance at creating emotions. And yes, we have a brain. Awesome, Paula. The Tanya says, if you have a brain, you can do this, right? Because everyone with a brain has to know how the brain works. And the brain works that we have the power. We have free will to choose what we think about. And we know that what we think about creates how we feel, which then creates, which is the bottom line, creates what? What we do, which is the main point, right? How we think creates how we feel, which then influences how we act. And that's what is it easy? Maybe not for a bit. Maybe not. But is it doable? Yes, we can create emotions enough, enough to do what we need to do in a happy way. Okay, that wraps up chapter 17. Any questions before we do our meditation? No, okay. So get comfortable. We'll do a quick meditation. And if there's any questions that come up after, you always have a second chance. Okay. Take a deep breath in through your nose, out through your mouth. Gently close your eyes and focus on your breath for a couple of seconds, in through your nose, out through your mouth. Follow the natural rhythm of your breath. Don't try to change anything or make it something that it's not. Try to um, visualize any tension that might be stuck in your body. Um, imagine it melting away. Identify where you hold your tension for every person that's different, right? It could be in your chest, your stomach, your head, your feet. Identify where you hold your tension and then visualize it just melting out of you. Bring your attention to these few food for thoughts. If you persist meditating about God, 
it will generate enough conviction in your mind to observe the mitzvahs practically. You just need to have a brain in your head, right? We can do this. We can affect our emotions indirectly over time, okay? And if your meditation, it might fail to generate intense feelings for God in your heart, but that won't detract from your main purpose in this world, which is to serve God through the mitzvot, through action. So something very important to remember, even if you can't create the emotions that you so wish to, it doesn't take away from the fact that our main purpose in this world is to actually do the mitzvahs. Okay. So we have the power. We have the power to use our brain and our thoughts for intellectual purposes, not for overthinking random things or perseverating on thoughts that are not useful. We can do it. Bring your focus back to your breath in through your nose, out through your mouth. You can slowly start to become more aware of smells, sounds, sensations around you. And when you're ready, you can gently open your eyes, take as much time as you need. Okay. Well, guys, we have now concluded chapter 17, which means we've concluded a whole section in the Tanya. You should be very proud of yourselves. You've been, you've been here and consistent. That's awesome. So have a wonderful, wonderful week. And we'll see you back here next week. Any questions, 